and Hello hockey fans and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn, you know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Quinn Malarchek. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the UNLV Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I am Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa, out on Long Island. Chris, good day to you, sir. Good day to you, sir. Uh, looking forward to second show uh, of 2018, and uh, we got a good one. Yes, we do. Long-time friend of the show. The longest-time friend of the show. Uh, first, first guy to reach out to us when we started the podcast back in 2015. Uh, always been able to to jump in and help us out when we could and when he has the time. Uh, special guest back. We're, we're at the halfway point of the season for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, unprecedented in where they've gone and where we think they're going to be going. Uh, no better time to give us a half-season report card and no better guy to give us that half-season report card than our very own Dana Lane. Dana, it's good to talk to you again, sir. Welcome back to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Well, I appreciate you having me. My goodness, has it been three years already? Yeah, unbelievable, right? I was thinking about that when we were prepping for the show here. And uh, first show, March 20th, 2015, right after the ticket drive was announced. And, yeah, the one thing going back thinking about you coming on the show again is uh, the early day Twitter wars that you and I would engage in (laughs) with uh, most of the – you know, all that. a lot of that's calmed down now, but – Boy, it was a tough sell early on, wasn't it? Well, it wasn't a tough sell to us. I, I mean, the, no, the certainly thing not. Was, and why I felt compelled to basically spend all my mornings arguing with the country of Canada was the fact that, you know, I, I think I felt like, you know, we have to educate the people about the market and how yes. this is not about the Las Vegas Strip. And I, and I and I would be very happy if I never had to utter those words again or, you know, talk about the differences between the Strip and actually living here. Hopefully people now get it. Uh, but it, it is absolutely amazing to me. I, I, I was at the Ranger game the other night, and it was the first time that I actually sat in my season tickets for a game and the atmosphere is absolutely electric on that in that place. Yeah. And that was a Sunday night game. So, I mean, look, listen, when you have opposing fans writing letters 
saying how good of a time that they had in your arena, you're doing something right. And I listen. I, I haven't had one person say, "Well, it's not not a great, not as good as our atmosphere." Uh, in fact, uh, everybody has compared it to Nashville, which I guess is a is a good atmosphere. But um, you know, they've done a tremendous job with the game presentation that keep people engaged, and they can kind of feel when people are trying to, are, are kind of hitting a lull, and they do a real good job of bringing them back out of it. So uh, no, nothing but um, I have nothing but great things to say about what the team has done. And of course it doesn't hurt when you're, when you're doing well on the ice. No, for sure. And, and along those lines, I was at the game, the Tuesday night game before that against Nashville. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're always going to have visiting fans in, in any arena and probably more so here because it is Las Vegas and it's a destination as well as a hockey game. And let's face it, last couple of weeks, it's been uh, 20, 30 degrees below zero in a lot of the places where hockey is a popular sport. So for the, for them to jump on a plane and come down here for a couple of days and take in a hockey game with their teams, most of who have gone home losers, um, is that's to be expected. But from the even from the start, when, when we were having our Twitter wars and people would say, oh, your arena is just going to be filled with freebie casino guys and opposing teams fans. I always had the idea that, that, that I know the hockey atmosphere in Las Vegas. I've been here 25 years. I was a Las Vegas Thunder season ticket holder, Las Vegas Wranglers, diehard, so on down the road. Um, I knew we would have the hockey atmosphere in the stands. And one thing I, I, I don't really mind having a certain percentage of opposing teams fans. I think the Toronto game and the Chicago Blackhawks game was a little out of hand, but I, I want people to come here and see that this isn't a novelty act. This isn't a one-off. This isn't uh, you know, Sesame street, which one of these is not like the other one that, that this is a hockey environment and, and for, for people to come out and go home, and say, you know, it's not, they, they've got it going on in Vegas. It's, uh, it, and the, like you said, the game entertainment is, is second to none. The product on the ice right now is second to one, if you will. And to, to just put a, put a bow on that, um, I, I, I don't mind as, as long as the, the opposing team's fans go, go home with a L and, and Vegas gets the two points. Um, it's all good. They, they're helping spread the word that that we've been trying to spread for three years um and maybe more effectively than than sitting on twitter all morning like we used to do well i i will say this um as far as having fans in in the stands and you know uh my good friend brian blessing always says this that you know having Two, three thousand, four thousand fans of the opposing team really creates a a fantastic atmosphere and doesn't allow the Vegas Golden Knights fans to sit on their hands. In fact, when the Rangers chants the other night started, I mean they were quickly drowned out by the Vegas Golden Knights chants. And if there if there was no Ranger fans in the in the arena, perhaps those chants would not start. It, it does create an electric atmosphere. And, Almost and, college, honestly, you know. If, Almost, you know. I mean, if the Golden Knights get ahead, I, I tell you, I, I take a little pleasure watching all the opposing fans say nothing and just sit there. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, there's supposed to be uh, there's supposed to be five thousand plus fans for the Edmonton Oilers today. So we'll see how that works out in a game that 
not only do do uh, we get to find out how they're how the Golden Knights are going to fare coming off the bye week, but we're also going to see if they can avenge probably their worst performance of the year. Absolutely, I, I and I think the worst. I mean, that was the game that um, it was Dylan Ferguson, I believe the 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 goalie from juniors that came up, and I think the Edmonton game is the game that he actually got into for the third period. Um, so yeah, I think this is going to be a payback game tonight. And the way Edmonton's been playing, I don't look for them to. Uh, I, I look for that that plane trip back to Edmonton to be a long, cold one. Actually, um, let me let me bring in Chris because I know uh, we haven't had a chance to talk to you for a while, and I know he's got a couple questions for you, Chris. Hey Dana, great to talk to you again. Great to have you back. Um, hey Chris, I tell you, Dana, I tell you, Dana, in your wildest, wildest dream, <laughs> could you have ever? So what, that the, the the Knights could have sixty points at the halfway mark. I mean, this is, I mean, it's hard. It's it's hard to believe. No, uh, I gotta tell you, man, it is a fantastic ride. Um, nobody, and I mean nobody, predicted this because in order to predict this, you would have had to have said, well, you know what? I think a guy like William Carlson is going to be a thirty-five goal guy or a 40-goal guy. I mean, he never even sniffed double digits in goals before this year. You would have had to have said that a guy like Eric Holland was going to be a potential 35 guy or even a 40, well, probably 25 to 30 guy. Uh, You would have had to have said that Alec Tuck would have come in and contributed almost 20 goals. I mean, these uh, these are guys that you would never have expected this kind of performance from, and oh, by the way, what's even more remarkable is the fact that there is no organization that has proven that they have more depth at the goaltending position than the Vegas Golden Knights. It is absolutely, I'm telling you, when when Subban got hurt against the St. Louis Blues and Oscar Danks came in, and, and there has been a lot of talk about, well, what was the what was the game that really turned the season around? I'm telling you right now that that turned the season around because it forced everybody to play as a unit, to stay focused on their job, to win their spot on the ice because they knew what was what was in goal. And they did a fantastic job during that, during that part. Uh, I, I really have to give George McPhee a lot of credit because he went in and believed in, in Malcolm Subban and, Subban came in and really stabilized. I mean, he put five fingers in the dam, really stabilized his goaltending position. Uh, we all kind of scratched our head at the time with the, with the pickup, but um, he's done a fantastic job. And then, of course, when Flory, has, when Flory came back, I mean, he's been absolutely lights out. So it's going to be very um, important that Flory stays healthy. Uh, we also They also do have a lot of choices to make as far as moving forward. And, there's some guys that are up for, for contracts, and they're going to have a lot of cap space, so they, they basically can do whatever they want to do, and they're certainly in the driver's seat to sign those guys. Well, in that vein, Dana, um, you know, a couple weeks ago, uh, Vegas signed Jonathan Martha show to a six-year deal, a deal I think that was really good for both sides. Uh, yes. When it comes to James Neal, I think it's a tr- I think it's it's a tricky one. I think there's no doubt – Vegas would love to have James Neal on this team the next three years. 
but I believe he's in his early 30s, so you always have to you know worry a little bit about that. And the other thing is I've noticed around the league the last few years is teams are very in, instead of saying you know what uh, they they're afraid of letting someone walk away uh, and not getting anything for for them. Can I just let this guy walk out the door? And you're like, well, you are getting you know the cap space for that player. How do you see? Would you if you were whispering in George McPhee's ear, uh, would you tell him, hey, look, I think a long-term relationship, i.e. a four or maybe even a five-year deal uh, at market value, we, you know, you should move forward with James Neal. How, how do you see that one? I really do. Um, I really think James Neal is a guy that you keep around. And like you said, it is real tricky uh, because – at 30 years old, he just uh, turned 30 years old. I think he's closer to the 30-year mark now. I mean, you're looking at – if you're going to sign this guy for to five years, I mean, it's you're really looking at this, the seven, seven-and-a-half range. And, and you you have to – at the age of 30, you have to say, okay, is this guy worth a long-term deal like that? On the flip side of that – would James Neal take a little bit more money? You know, say seven and seven and a half a little bit high, would you take a little bit more money to sign, you know, a two-year deal or a three-year deal? Uh, that These are conversations between Neal and McPhee that that we're not privileged to, to you know, to look a man in the eye and say, do you want to be here? And now how do we make this happen? I, I They're going to st- – they're going to deal with the same thing, uh, trying to sign, you know, David Perron. I mean, he's 29, um, you know, it's only a, a year younger, but you know, that's still a guy. He's a piece on this team and you have to determine whether or not you want him for, around for a long-term deal or, or if he's a three, you know, a three-year guy. But honestly, I don't think George McPhee thought the core of this team would show itself in the first year. And I think no. they really have a decent core working here. I mean, William Carlson is a guy that's also going to you're going to have to sign. He'll probably yeah. go to arbitration because he's going to ask, you know, for probably the moon, and we'll probably offer him somewhere between the land, uh, you know, Earth and the moon. And um, I, I think the team right now would be probably willing to stay in that three three year range with him because. Obviously, this is his first year producing the way he is, and I, I don't think you go out and sign him to a long-term deal until he proves that this is going to be something consistent. Marcia Schultz, I have no problem with. This is the guy that's a 30-goal guy. He's proven it more than once, so I have no problem. And uh, honestly, for the six years, $30 million that they signed him for, man, I, I think the Golden Knights got a bargain with that deal. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, he did it. Last, I mean, he kind of came out of nowhere last year, and then he backed it up this year. He's really produced, like, if you will, an eight million dollar cap player. Uh, but yeah. you know, when you're making seven hundred, seven fifty, and you're halfway through the season, and anything can happen, any kind of injury, any kind of slump, and someone puts thirty million dollars guaranteed on the table, uh, you'd be kind of foolish, in my opinion, not to not to take it. I got before I hand you back to Mark Dana. You know, we all assumed, all three of us, that come February, uh, you know, in the off season, that you know Vegas would be some would be sellers. That you know, with with the number of pending unrestricted free agents, that maybe they would keep one, like a March or so, given his age, or maybe two guys, but they would ship a lot of guys out for picks and prospects. 
And, you know, so they would stash up the cupboard of draft picks for this great draft coming up. And in addition, their own draft pick uh, would be a top 10 pick in each round. Obviously, that's not going to happen. They're not going to be. They're not going to be sellers. Um, in terms of being buyers, though, uh, you know, this is a team that does have really good depth in all three areas. Uh, what kind of buyer do you think McPhee would will be, or will he stand pat? Because let's keep in mind again, in terms of building, looking at the big picture here, McPhee's not going to have a. You know, his his first round pick is going to be somewhere in the twenties now. They don't have a third-round pick this year. They have their own first, their own second. Uh, they have a, uh, an amazing amount of draft picks the following year, but not not this June. So uh, as crazy as it might sound, he probably wants to really hold on to that second-round pick pretty tightly, uh, especially considering he doesn't have a third. And I don't know if he, what he wants to trade from last year's draft. How do you see him approaching this deadline when you look at this season and looking at the big picture as well? Well, I I think George McPhee is going to stand. You know, I mean, when it's all said and done, he might make some moves, but I think he stands pat, and and really, there's no reason not to. I mean, this team offensively is as good as anybody in the league. I think if he had to pinpoint the one area where I think that they could get better at is is on the power play, and then you know the penalty kills. So I guess the you know special teams in general. I I have this vision, and I I keep kind of hoping that Colin Miller turns into this guy. Uh, you know, he, he's kind of resurrected himself a little bit here, too. But I, I, I think that they need that one guy with that giant sh- shot from the blue line to really put the fear into their opponent's hearts. That, that's the one thing that I really – they seem and, – and maybe it's because of the rotation of the defenseman. I, I brought this up the other day that, you know, perhaps their penalty power play isn't so great because they keep on rotating, you know, guys at the blue line in and out. But um, that's the one area where I could see that he might look to improve, at least offensively. But honestly, though – So you would love you'd love I to would, have Mike Green. You just don't want to give up the text of the prospects. But it would be a – Yeah, and win. I don't know. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I don't know who you bring in. I mean, yeah, we, we absolutely would love to have a Mike Green in. Um, but I don't – you know, I think it's really slim pickings for that guy out there. And, you know, honestly, I, I, I think he's pretty happy where he's at. He doesn't make any moves that um, are uncalculated. And, you know, can this team go, you know, I, I listen, I'm not going to go crazy and sit there and say, well, this is a Stanley Cup, you know, winning team. Okay. Can they win the Cup? Anything sure. can happen. For, Anything for, can happen in the playoffs, Stanley. Anything you know that. can happen. For sure. And, by, and as long as you've got – if Flurry's healthy, anything can happen. But I do know this. When you get into the playoffs, it becomes a, a, a more of a physical battle. And I look at this team and I say, who is the guy that's going to lay people out and enable the Golden Knights to win this physical battle? And I just – you know, they got scrappy players. You know, David Perron is scrappy. And Marshall has some scrappiness in him. But I don't see that big, that big body, you know uh, – you don't really want an Alex Tuck being that guy because a you don't want him to you you need him in front of the net you need him offensively and then plus on top of that you know I mean if, if he's off the ice boy you're really at a physical disadvantage at that point so maybe a big body, maybe a guy from the blue line with a big shot 
But overall, I really think that McPhee is, he loves where he's at, and he really is in the driver's seat, and all he has to do is sit and wait for that phone to ring. I will say this, and then I'll hand it to Mark. If McPhee is going to make a big trade for someone, it's going to be, has to be for someone that he's going to have team control over for the next three-plus years. For sure. He's not, you know, sure. he, 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 if there's an opportunity with someone become available in that vein, which usually does not happen at the trade deadline, you're looking at guys who are either going to be pending unrestricted free agents like a Mike Green uh, or an Evander Kane or guys who are a year away from it. And I, I don't, I don't foresee that happen. You know, uh, maybe, maybe some role players, if there's injury concerns, to add some depth, but yeah, I, I, I don't think they're, uh, I don't think they're going to be selling. Uh, I mean, I don't think they're going to be, be major buyers because they do have to keep in mind yeah. of the of the big picture. Because you know what? At the end of the day, who knows what's going to happen? You know, he has to prepare for the worst. Who knows what happens with James Neal? You know, if James Neal says, "Well, I want to test the market," and someone's foolish enough to give him a, a six-year deal at eight million per, then you say, "Thanks for the great first year." we're going to go in a different direction. There's nothing wrong with that, you know? So, uh, you know, same thing with Lucas Pisa and, and, and guys like that. You want to, if they're put the pieces together to build this the right way, uh, you, 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 you got to be careful of that. Yeah. I don't think going to be here. I don't think Clayton Stoner is going to be here. Uh, right. You know, England says he wants to play another year, so that probably is a it's a possibility because he's a guy that is willing to sell to, to sign a one year deal. Um, I, I just you know now especially with Spiza out for you know the next you know six weeks or so or eight weeks or so. I mean, I I just don't think at three point six million they're getting out of him what they want. So I don't think that that that's that's a guy. I mean, that's their trade deadline so. acquisition. It's getting a help with Spiza. Look at it from that standpoint. Yeah. 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 I, I just... You're breaking up there, Mark. Mark, you're all broken up. Mark? Mark, you there? You're broken you're broken up, Mark. Yeah, he's breaking up really fast. Yeah. Uh Okay, so while we get more reconnected, what can you tell us about this story with the U.S. Army and the uh, U.S. Trademark uh, Trial Appeal Board? Uh, I am kind of confused of why this is coming up now. I mean, I would think all the ducks would be in a row. So the only thing is, it is a little concerning. You know, any time when the U.S. Army tells somebody, hey, uh, you stepped out of line, I would get a little concerned, but uh, what what do you know about this, Dana? Well, the fact is that if the Army wants to uh, keep the Golden Knights from using Vegas Golden Knights or Las Vegas Golden Knights, it, it needs to go to court. I mean, this is I, – I, honestly – this is something that's it's it's the same thing as it was in the beginning. This is way made to be a way bigger thing than really what it's going to be. And I think what's going to happen is it's simply just going to boil down to the, the army saying, you know, let's do some sort of cross promotion. I think it's going to boil down to um, you know them working on an agreement. I don't think anybody has to worry about the Golden Knights not being the name. Um, this is this is basically just a, a 
procedure uh, in the process of determining how and who can use the name. So I, I don't think it's any big deal. And keep in mind, too, I mean, this, when, when they were first given this name and, I, you know, the, the Golden Knights kind of had this attitude that they were going to do it anyway, but this is a long process, you know, to figure out who can and who cannot use it. And I think this is just a, another you know, a part of that process. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. They do have to go to court if they want Bill Foley to stop using it. But, you know, for Arby to say that Foley's two trademarks are causing confusion is absolutely ridiculous. And I think that the Golden Knights also came back and thought that it was ridiculous as well because, you know, they, they, they issued a statement this past week saying, I don't think anybody's come to our game expecting – to see a parachute team. And of course I'm paraphrasing with that, but I think in the end, I think this is much to do about nothing. I think they will have some sort of a cross promotion where, you know, which is fine with Foley because of his affiliation with army. And, and honestly, you know, maybe army looks at this thing and says, wow, they are really getting a lot of publicity off of a name we've used for years. So let's go ahead and, and say that we, uh, you know, kind of want to, uh, you know, be involved in this process, and I think ultimately that's what's going to happen. I really think it's much to do about nothing. Yeah, okay, that that sense makes sense to me. Mark, are you there? Mark, are you there? <laughs> All right, well, we're having, Mark's having a little bit of issues here. So, uh, Dana, do you have uh, a team in, give me a team, a sleeper team in the East, to watch out for between now and let's say the playoffs and and uh do you have a sleeper team in the west well you know i mean i i got asked this the other day on a show and i i don't i don't know if you could sit there and say well you know the columbus blue jackets are a sleeper team i i think they're kind of going through the motions and you know sometimes they look worried about them and they lose yeah, I know, and a lot of people certainly are. I mean, I, I, I've i kind of been on their bandwagon for a long time. I, I do worry about now they're going to leave on, lean on Bobrovsky uh, quite a bit, and Corpus Allo got sent down to Cleveland, which I'm sure they're happy about because they're in desperate need of something good to happen. But, um, you know, they don't have a lot of games remaining this month. They have a ton next month, and so I think Corpus Allo will come back up after getting playing time. But, I, I you know, I, I think they're kind of – they're okay, and 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 a lot of times you see teams go into the postseason just playing okay, and you know, but but they still have that goaltender that they can lean on and that goaltender they can rely on, and you know, look, you know, Edmonton relied on on Talbot, and the Rangers have relied on Lundqvist forever, and as as long as they have that guy in that. Uh, a guy that you know that can, you know, carry you through a couple playoff rounds, I think they're going to be okay. I think a lot of people are overlooking them, I, I guess is my overall point. I agree with everything you just said, Dana. The one thing I will say, following the Metro very closely being out here, is uh, all those teams are right on top of each other. And it's going yeah. to, you know, the, both wild cards are going to come from the Metro. And the difference between, you know, uh, you know maybe someone, you know, is going to push through and, and separate themselves to win the division. But the difference between anywhere being the two, the second place team in the Metro and one of the wild cards and just missing the playoffs literally could come down to a couple of points. So, uh, but all those and everyone in the division is in the mix. 
So for all those teams, uh, the playoffs uh, need to be now. Yeah, the only the, the other thing too that I kind of factor in is the fact that although they got bounced last year by the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Penguins basically said, "Look, this is the intensity level that you're going to have to bring." And I think losing to the Penguins ultimately shows them where you have to be um, as a as a team, and maybe that helps them going into next year. I don't know, you know, I mean, I don't know how excited I am about having you know Pierre Luc Dubois being your being your top line center. I know they got Wentberg back, so that that helps. Um, a little bit of experience there. But then, you know, an experience with Dubois, but, you know, on his left-hand side, you get a ton of experience with uh, with Panarin. So I, I still I, – I don't know, man. I, I've been such a, a huge fan of John Tortorella. I know a lot of people don't love him, but I, I really like him as a coach. And I had a chance to talk to him at the um, NHL award show when I was here and just – just a great, great guy. I mean, very sincere in when he speaks, and I think he's evolved as a coach over the years. I don't think he's the same Tortorella that was in New York. I think he's evolved, and and I think he really likes his team too. So when you really like your team, you really don't have to put the pedal to the metal too much because you trust them. The one thing I will say about can that you guys, is, can I, you I guys hear me? Now? I think. Oh, well, we can. Good. Uh, but when I hand it off to you. Uh, it, it Tortorella is because I watched some of those press conferences in Columbus on, on the on the net there, and watching him from over here, you know, there's that side of Tortorella. But when he's upset with his team, he'll let you know it too. I mean, you'll uh, he won't sell anyone, he won't throw anyone to the bus, but he says, I don't know, you're gonna have to answer that. I'm not gonna talk about that. Yeah, stuff like that, and and it's just like comical. But uh, all right, Mark. Well, uh, hey, uh, uh, if. Uh, if memory serves correct, he is he, he is a little bit of a bus driver. He go back a few years into the playoffs, and he's a guy that that uh, put Brad Richards in the press box in the middle of the playoff series and said he's just not playing good enough to help us win. That's uh, that's kind of a bus driver move, in my opinion. And I'll always remember that. You got a, a veteran Stanley Cup champion there, and you just help you scratch him. And I don't know if it was a message to the team or whatever, but if you're down the playoff series and, and Brad Richards is on your team, I always thought. You, you had to keep that guy on the ice. But anyway, to get back, I wanted to talk to you a little a little bit back more on the James Neal signing um, and the scenarios that present themselves there. If you're just just uh, if you're if you're a guy and, and and you're on the team and it's successful, there's a lot of chemistry with the group. Everybody enjoys each other on this team, uh, and I think it's a blessing how the Adam Shipachoff thing ended up because I think he wouldn't have. I think the room could have been a whole lot different if you had a guy like that on the roster. Um, you, you could see that he could be a guy that would cry for playing time and and get upset if he wasn't getting his touches and this and that. And I think that the chemistry in this room is a large part of their success. But so if if, if you're that guy and you're James Neal, um, and and you you threw out uh, five years seven, right, Dana? If I remember correctly, so that that's that's thirty five million dollars. And you lop 16% state tax off the top because if you go to L.A. or you go to right. New York, that's the minimum you're going to be paying. That puts $5.6 million back in your pocket. If if you want to be the guy who signs a seven-year, $7 million deal, or, okay, so that's only – what is that? $2 million per for two – that's only $4 million because if if you add in the state tax deduction – 
you're actually losing $1.6 million in net pay to go take that seven-year, $7 million deal as opposed unless to staying goes, home. Unless it goes to another well, state that has no, no state Yeah, yeah, but uh, my, my question, my question and there's not too many of those teams. Um, right. So, so if you're the player, is is that – I mean, I got to think that that's a, a big consideration. Um, you're, the prestige of having the seven-year, $7 million deal is one thing. Cold hard cash is another. I mean – if I, I got to believe Neil would be amenable to, uh, if, I mean, if you want to go to that term, it, maybe you go five years, seven. Um, if you want to put five years and basically lock him up for the rest of his productive playing days, um, that's, you got to rather go four, that, I would think. I would rather go four years eight. Well, they are, I think Gravoski's deal comes off and one other dead yes, contract. Does, so five million. Is, that, is that correct? It's, so there's $5 million in the cap. And there's another dead contract that we have, and I forget who well, that is. Well, sh- but I well think he comes Shippershoff, off Shippershoff, gone, so you got that freedom. Sure. Well, and, and uh, also understand too, you got guys like uh, Jason Garrison's not coming back, so that's three and a half. I think right that's there. a. That, I think that's a, a trade deadline deal. I think Garrison's going to help fill out well, the middle rounds of the draft at the trade deadline. I think he'll be gone then. Yeah, I mean. So that, so like you said, that that. that if you want to go four and eight, I'm good with that. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I'd be I'm good with that. With You're that still in the thirty-two million dollar deal. Yeah, I mean, it just it comes down to what he's going to want to do. Money, money's not going to be an issue. And keep in mind too that the cap is going to go up next year as well. So money's sure. not going to be an issue. You, you know, I wish David Clarkson's deal was coming off, but that's not coming off. But the Grabowski that's the other one I was off, thinking. And that's five million too. Yeah, Clarkson's deal hasn't come off until 2020. Ooh. Well, one thing with with James Neal, um, he came out to the practice facility a, a couple months back in a brand-new, beautiful white Ferrari with paper license plates. So he bought the car. He didn't – and registered it in Nevada. He didn't lease it. He wasn't – it tells me he's thinking a little bit longer than staying until the trade deadline. Um, I don't know. Uh, just something I noticed that kind of struck me is okay, maybe uh, registering his car in Nevada means something. I don't know. I'm just I'm just reading into it maybe. But uh, so anyway, Dana, I wanted to get get a look ahead here um, as we start our second half of the season tonight. Going forward, is there any reason? And and you know, there's times, and I'm sure you've done the same thing. Is as as there's times this season that I, I just shook my head and, and just laughed out loud at the end of the games, and I'm like, how 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 is this something that I'm actually watching? I've you know we've invested a lot of time and energy over the last three years to this thing, and you look at it and and I know a lot of people are waiting for the bubble to pop, but there's there's so much speed on this team. There's a whole lot more skill than we thought we were going to have. Guys are playing over. If there's one chink in the armor, if you will, and that's no pun intended with the, the armor and the night thing. Um, right now, they're only, what, 10 or 11 points clear of, of, of a wild card spot in the West. What What is the chink in the armor that will keep them from continuing play at the pace that they're at right now? Because I shake my head, and I watch every game, and consistently, from from opening night, to game 41 in the Western Conference, 
the Vegas Golden Knights have played the best hockey, and I don't think that's really debatable. Uh, night in, night out, the compete level, the the skill, the speed, they they have been the best team in the West. What is going oh, to to what is going to let the air out of the tires, sir? Well, as we we discussed a little bit, I mean, I still think that they need to get better on special teams. I think they need to get maybe add a little size, although, you know, it's, yeah, that's, you know, I mean, the Penguins weren't the biggest team in the world. So Not I, at I all. Know. Neither was you Chicago. Know? Yeah. So I, I don't know how much that deals with, but, you know, Chicago, is, the difference is that, well, that, when you're talking about the Penguins, at least, I mean, it really depends on the path that Vegas takes. I mean, if they have to go through Anaheim and they have to go through LA, then you want to, you know what you're going to get with those teams. But, you know, you know how you beat big teams? Is that you you're, skate past them. Really, you're really good in transition. And that's what the Penguins yep. did to the Sharks a few years ago. They were Absolutely really good correct. in transition. And this is what this team does really well. You never, everybody has, you can watch them when the plays develop on the ice. Everybody kind of has a sixth sense of where everybody is on the ice. And, and that to me is, I mean, that you want to take a look at, or talk about the, what the the uh, definition of a team is. It's yeah. really what's going on here. Do we need, you know, Tomas Nosek and, and Bellamar and, and William Carrier to, you know, the go crazy offensively? No, they're absolutely out there doing their job for nine minutes a game or ten minutes a game and doing exactly what Gallant wants them to do. But I will say this. And one thing maybe that, that people are overlooking, you know, it, much has been made about this team and the chip on their shoulder coming into this. And, you know, these guys are not wanted, or at least they're playing that card. And you know, Galani right. even had that himself. But now you look at the all-star, the all-star game and, and not having a spot for, for William Carlson, not finding a spot for, for Marshall. I mean, I don't, it is, what do you think about Philly making this team? Thing, I can't. I don't put too much I, into it. it. Wouldn't Carter Hutton be a better decision? And, and I'm not knocking Flurry, but he missed so many games. And Carter Hutton is having a fantastic year in St. Louis. I was really rooting for that kid to get in there and, and make an all-star appearance. Because that guy's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, I look. I, I understand. Uh, in in these All Star games, I I don't get too crazy about it. I honestly, from a team standpoint, I I would like Flurry to take some more time off, and you know, if he's yes. if he's ninety five percent, make sure he's a hundred percent. Whatever. I'm not even honestly, guys. I have to tell you, I don't even know how this stuff goes down. I know the things changed a couple of years ago because of the John Scott thing, and I'm not sure. I think the league actually. If I'm if I'm correct, actually chooses these things. I know there's a fan component, but um, look, Flurry getting in, okay, fine. And, and really, I have to go through the rosters to say, okay, well, if this guy, this guy has to go too. So maybe that's why those guys are are going instead. But you know, anybody. Well, yeah, the other goalies, money. the other goalies in the West were uh, Jonathan Quick and Quadcroft. If I'm right. Yeah. I mean, uh, which I, I those two guys, okay, fine. Look, well, I mean, look at look when Flory has come back. I mean, uh, no, he for sure, put up all star numbers. I mean, it's not like he's, I think he's nine and one, right? There, 
no, no, that's nine two and one on the season. Yeah, I think he's, he's not going to since he's come back. He's nine two and one on the season. His goals against average is barely over one point seven, and his save percentage is ninety five percent or ninety four percent. That's pretty. That's all star numbers. That doesn't suck. I your sample size, but uh, and and sure, like you were saying, you, in the old days with five on five play. You you really have to make a case for Marshall. You really have to make a case for Carlson. And I even think Riley Smith is playing at all star caliber at this point in the season. Yeah, I don't think you have to make a case for like listen, William Carlson is on pace of you know, what do thirty five forty goals. If you if you don't, and I don't care what the all star format is or anything like that. If you get a guy that is on pace to do thirty five to forty goals. He needs to be on the all-star team because he's an yeah. all-star, because he's better than any – he's had a better year, a better half season than anybody else on the team currently. So he's yeah. got guys, to find guys, a way. Guys, it's a, it's guys, it's a numbers game. game. Uh, I can tell you over here, Anders Lee uh, did make the team, and he's got 25 goals, and he scored 34 right. goals last year. In fact, I think since last thanks, – not this past Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving before – he has scored more goals in the NHL than anyone else, and um, he got snubbed. So uh, I, I think it's—I think it just happens also to how many representatives you have and all that. Unless you're the, of you course, know, the Penguins or the Blackhawks. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, listen, I, I love the fact. I think these guys are going to come back with a big chip on their shoulder, make that chip even bigger, make them play harder, and I. You know, all this stuff that really is just going in the favor of Vegas. I don't get too upset about who makes it and who doesn't. I mean, if we want to talk, that's fine. But uh, there's no way right, that right. Carlson shouldn't have made it. And Marchessault certainly is, a, is an all-star. That's for sure. I have no question about it. No question about it. Well, I remember early in, in our in our preseason, our preseason uh, Pacific Division preseason, I, made, I asked you the question that if, if I could go into the book and make a bet, that the Knights would be better than the Coyotes, the Avalanche, and the Canucks, and that they would have 75 points, that that be a bet you would take. And you were on board early on saying that you would absolutely take that bet. So I just want to give you credit because no, nobody said they would be where they are now, but you were one of the few guys that, that really looked at the roster and paid attention to who we had and the skill and speed that we had. And you had them ninth to 12th, somewhere in that mix, and yeah. me, you more uh, were ahead of the curve on on a lot of of the preseason prognostications. This team, Dana. So I just want to go on record right now. You were one of the early believers, sir, and and we always thank you for coming on the show. Well, I appreciate that, but I certainly can't take any credit for where they are right now. I mean, it's uh, no, I mean, no. all these factors. <laughs> I mean, there is a bunch of intangibles that you can sit there and say, okay, these things might be in the play. I mean, it really is a guess. You have no idea who's he. You had no idea that William Carlson was going to be William Carlson. Uh, you had no idea. I mean, and on top of that, too, if you would have told me that this team was going to play five goaltenders, I probably would have adjusted that thinking. You know? so yeah, sure. It's, it's a great story. It's a great atmosphere. I can't wait to get to the rink tonight to avenge this loss against the uh, Edmonton Oilers. But good for Vegas. And I'm telling you, the next time a list comes out, that lists the best sports markets 
There is no way with all the things that are going on here in Las Vegas that we're not in that conversation. 100%, 100%. Well, Dana, tell everybody where they can find you. I know you've picked up a few things since we talked last, so go ahead and get it out there for us. Yeah, you can find me at Dana Lane Sports on Twitter. Uh, that's been consistent. You can also find me on LV Sports Beat on Twitter as well. And basically the point of that uh, platform is to just focus on Las Vegas sports, which I you know, try to do in addition to everything else. Uh, also, you can find me on SBR Picks at sportsbookreviewpicks.com. All righty, sir. All righty, sir. Well, we'll get you back in sooner rather than for to do this again. It's been too long talking to you, sir. You have a great Saturday and enjoy the game tonight. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you for having me on. All Thanks, right, Dana. and that was uh, and that was Dana Lane, the esteemed guest of the afternoon, looking at the early half of Bull Mike season, and a lot of good stuff coming out of that, Chris. Oh, absolutely. Well, good uh, halfway review with Dana on the night. And, uh, you know, now it's, uh, we're going to do the third period here and uh, take a look at, you know, teams ready to make a move. And uh, topic one is going to be, we mentioned them before, uh, when you look at these pending unrestricted free agents and the ones that will be in play to, to, to be uh, sell, sold, if you will, as from the sellers, you got Mike Green in Detroit. And you got Evander Kane and Buffalo. And I got a team for each of them, and I want to get your opinion on this, Mark. Mike Green, right. I think, would be a per- perfect fit in Toronto, where they need another defenseman. He's played under Mike Bobcock. Um, they yep. have, uh, you know, they have pieces to trade. They have draft picks. They have prospects. Uh, and then in terms of Evander Kane, the Anaheim Ducks. They, I know they traded for Adam Hang. Hang- oh, another good one. Yeah, earlier yeah. in the year, they only have two guys with more than 10 goals. Uh, I know they have a number of injuries. They have guys coming back. But let's be honest, this team has not been able to get to the Stanley Cup Finals in recent years because they've been on the wrong side of 3-2 games. So I think even when they get everybody back and they have Evander Kane, you know, not re- just relying on a couple lines to score. So... Uh, what do you think about those two things, those two te- those two players, those two teams, and do you have another team for one of those guys or both of them? Well, you took my Toronto pick. I was going to put I was okay. going to put my Green in Toronto. I really like that fit. I think the speed on defense and the and the help, like we were saying earlier about his shot on the power play, um, would fit in just just fine. And and you know what else he brings that you didn't mention is a a little bit more veteran presence. A little bit more Absolutely. playoff experience. You know, you know, I'm big on that. Um, one of the yep. intangibles that I really look for when you're adding a piece to a room, which is why I don't think that the Knights should be doing too much at the trade deadline because the chemistry in the locker room is one of the best in the league. And I think tinkering with that um, at this stage with with what you have going is always a gamble. But I think adding that playoff experience and veteran presence to that young squad in Toronto, I think, I think. That's a deal that that uh, they get, that I think we can expect to get done. I think that's if Mike Green is on the table, that's I think Toronto is the answer. Evander Kane and I I didn't really have a fit for him. I'm not a big Evander Kane fan, if you will. Um, I hear you. I, I I think and and that goes into what I was saying about Mike Green is when when you add a piece like Evander Kane, you you get the on ice contributions. No one can can argue with. 
um, the the scoring that he that he can bring to a team, and that is something definitely that Anaheim could use. Um, I just don't know what that does to a room. Um, the, you hear rumblings uh, everywhere he's been, uh, especially pre Winnipeg or in Winnipeg. Um, that did not end well. And then you hear rumblings of some of the same shenanigans in Buffalo. And I worry about putting that dynamic into a locker room. Um, so I, I guess Anaheim is as good as any. I, I couldn't really, you know, a team that plays heavy and Evander Kane's a big player, um, but sometimes lacks a scoring touch. And I don't know the cap situation or anything like that, but I think maybe St. Louis would be a, a good second yeah, line, good third one. line fit for a, for a player like Evander Kane. But I just, I just struggle with, with the off ice and, and things that come with that kind of a player. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Anaheim's probably as good as any there. Um, but but you, you took my pick on Toronto. I think I think Mike Green does go to Toronto. Well, I'm not done with Mike Green yet. So topic two is, you know, right <laughs> now you have to say is Tampa's the favorite to win the cup, and just from a big picture yeah. philosophy standpoint, if I was Steve Eisman whispering to Steve Eisman, I would say Steve, if you can get the right player to add to this team. Uh, if I was you, I'd be willing, you know, re- within reason, willing to overpay because you can win the cup this year. I mean, I'm willing to pay a dollar thirty on the dollar. If I have to give up an extra second round pick, or if I have to give up an extra good prospect, or what have you, this is this is the time to to go for the brass ring. And they they have a lot of depth at forward. They have a lot of uh, fire, you know, firepower up front. Um, I think a guy like Mike Green, for all the reasons you just said before, and keep in mind, Victor Hedman just got hurt. You know, injuries happen in the playoffs, as we've seen yeah. in recent years with Tampa. They lost Strollman for a period of time in the playoffs. So having another guy like that, granted it's going to be a rental and it's not going to be cheap, that's the kind of guy I'm I'm all in on uh, would be Mike Green. We talked about it last week on last week's show with Dan Harrigan breaking down the lightning. What do you think of uh, – Mike Green being, you know, maybe, I don't want to say that missing piece, but, you know, adding just that, making the lightning that even much tougher to deal with, adding that kind of presence. Yeah, I wouldn't mind if, I, I don't see a problem with the fit in, in Tampa either. You get, a, you get a little deeper on defense. You have a little, uh, you know, same thing. You get a little, you get a little better on the power play. They're, I mean, the power play is phenomenal, but um, right. you, add, you add another quarterback for the, for the second unit. Um, good shot. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't have a problem with him going to Tampa Bay at all. If, if Toronto can't get that deal done, I think, I think that'd be a one, a one B kind of a thing. And while we're on the subject, and I didn't really talk to you about this before, but I want to throw it out. The Islanders have uh, been slipping a little bit. I mean, it's still a tight race in in the division. What moves are the Islanders need to do to put together something post-trade deadline to make a run at the playoffs? Well, I, I liked what I heard out of Doug Wade at practice yesterday. It's been all over the the, the players went at practice, and he basically said, "You you you turn the puck over, uh, you're going to be watching. You know, Fanny's going to be on the bench and uh, knock on wood." I, I actually probably shouldn't say anything, but as, as of this recording, we're through two periods 
their their first game back from the five day break, and uh, they're up five one at the Garden against the the uh, dreaded Rangers. So, uh, uh, but having said that, I think it's a number of things. I think it's a number of things that has to get you know twenty to twenty five percent better. I think it's uh, the goaltending has to. They have to. Both guys have to play better. Um, I think it's the turning the puck over. It's the uh, it's the poor pass, uh, poor passes that lead to turnovers. The sloppy play that has to go a lot better. Penalty kill, which I think is in the bottom, I think around 24th or 25th in the league, um, but they were I think last in the league. It's starting to turn around a bit, and was a big part of their win uh, last weekend against the Devils at home. Um, you know, playing that quote-unquote 60 minutes. So, uh, but in terms of making a deal, a um, couple of names to keep in mind out there. If the Buffalo Sabres are not in love with Robin Leonard, I could see a deal worked out between the two sides. I believe he's an offer at the end of the year, and I don't know where Buffalo is. You know, Buffalo's still a couple of years away, and um, so and the Islanders Hopefully. have, you know, they have a they have a they have four picks. They have two picks in the, this draft coming up in the first round, and two picks in the second round. So those are those are kind of gold picks. In addition, they have a number of really good prospects knocking on the doors, uh, especially in the blue line, which uh, Buffalo really needs. And another guy that I keep a keep an eye out for is uh, Eric Robranson out in Vancouver. Just they, the Islanders lost Calvin DeHaan, uh for the season, uh, which was a big loss. He's He's not he's not sexy, but he's a real solid second pairing defenseman. A guy yeah. like Gore Branson could help them. He's a pending UFA, and it seems like Vancouver's going to move him. Uh, I also think that the Islanders will be very willing to make a deal today. Uh, not a desperate deal, but they're willing. You know, if you're if you're willing to roll up your sleeves uh, today, they're they're right there with you. And they, like I said, they have a lot of assets and such. So uh, I, I can see. I can see uh, those, and maybe you know a depth forward, uh, you know, some their their third, well, their back six needs to get better. Um, I'm not worried about, you know, I'm to- not talking about Casey Zizekas or Cal Clutterbuck, but Jason Chimera has had a has a has had a rough year. Uh, Brock Nelson is, is his usual inconsistent self. Uh, the good news is it looks like Anthony Beauview, small sample, but since getting called back up from uh, the HL uh, has really played like they hope he would play. Uh, he's got two goals today, but it's not just about goals. It's uh, it's about compl- playing a complete game. So, uh, you know, well, here's, as much the, here's as the million dollar question. Yeah. If the season continues as it is and Tavares is not signed at the deadline, will they oh, entertain offers? Will they, no. they will not entertain offers for him and they'll roll their dice if he does the season. Yeah, no. I mean, they, they, and I, you know, I, I think everyone's tradable. Yeah, I know that. Uh, but he means an awful lot. He means more to this to them than any other team. And quite frankly, first off, I mean, if someone called them hypothetically speaking, if someone called them up and just offered them the sun, the moon, and the stars, but no one's going to do that with him uh, being a pending UFA. So, having said that. They're going to be very much in the race. In fact, they're only a few points out of second place, I believe. I mean, I think they have games in hand on Columbus. And, um, you know, so they're not – I mean, as much as they 
you know, struggled lately. And as much as if you look at the standings, uh, they're towards the bottom of it. They're only, I think, six points out of second place, though, at the same time. So, um, you know, the only scenario I can ever see that happening is if, you know, he has communicated to them that, you know, I'm going to go elsewhere kind of thing. And, and everybody knows this is where he wants to be. He's really happy here. And this is his team. I think that's an important part. He's got potentially another superstar, Matthew Barzell, on this team. And he can see that. He's a smart guy. And not for nothing, but when you're the happiest in a certain situation, um, you know, and that same situation is going to uh, offer you the best uh, contract by far. Uh, that's, you know, again, I'm not, I, I, I think this will be like a Stamkos thing. I think it will come down to, to the end. But I, I do expect him to sign and stay. But, yeah, I would be uh, – I think a lot of bad stars would have to align for that for that to even be a possibility. All right, Chris, that's going to just about do it to, for today. Why don't you run down the list of where they can find the podcast for us? Uh, we've only got about two minutes left. Yeah, so you can find the show at uh, on Russ Cohen's SoundCloud page. Sportsology.com is Russ's website. Uh, you can find us on Grand, the Grandstand Sports Network. You can find us on Blog Talk Radio. Um, thanks to all our fans in Europe and Asia and beyond listening to the show. Real quick, the next we got some special shows coming up. Uh, next week we have who do we have next week? We have Mark Scheig uh, coming Mark on. Mark Scheiger uh, and Cohen come back. Yeah, in. Uh, yeah. Uh, talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets. Russ Cohen of Sportsology will be on to talk about the big players at the World Junior Championships, his thoughts on them. The week after that, we'll have Zach Devine on to talk Sharks, Western Conference, and a sneak peek at the upcoming draft. And the week after that, we'll have Lyle Richardson back of Spectres Hockey to talk about the upcoming trade deadline. closer to the trade deadline. Yep, yep. Yep. So so we're we're three weeks coming up. Yeah. So it should be a lot of fun. And we'll uh, we'll, uh, back that up with some big shows after that as well. All right, all right. Another week in the books. Uh, Dana Lane, great as always. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Dana Lane Sports, and he'll link all of his other projects uh, and the YouTube links when he's doing UNLV play-by-play hockey. Uh, you can find all that at Dana Lane Sports. So until next week, for Chris, I'm Mark, and we're gone. <laughs>